thank you, Lord, that there's nothing better than you. Help us to know you. In the midst of everything that's all around us, I thank you that you are Lord of all. And now we love you in the storm. Give us sweet Savior. You are worthy. Don't leave us behind. Thank you so much for your love. there's a big game today, right? Well, there's a golf tournament, too. I guess you probably didn't know that. Maybe um, only about 200,000 people at the golf tournament yesterday. It's kind of a drunken brawl at times up there in Phoenix. But uh, we got a big game going on. So every year we ask, uh, who's rooting for who? So who's rooting for the Broncos? <laughs> Next year they'll be there, guys. They'll be there. We, we know that, right? All right, who's going for Philadelphia? Uh, all seven of you. Okay. How many are going for Kansas City? All right, all 12. <laughs> and some of you are going to be watching a Hallmark movie, right? <laughs> or something else that day, right? Well, whatever. Honor the Lord. Bring Him glory. Give some cheer. And uh, glad we have this opportunity. So, you know, that little guy, he's really excited about the game. He just, he cannot wait for 430. I'll tell you, right? I love my little guy. He just keeps showing up. He is so precious. I love him. I'd like to have him as my son. It'd be a, it'd be a good son to have. A guy like that, right? Okay. We're in the book of Proverbs where we've been. So I've been giving you these things. Now, I'll remind you this. The Chiefs and the Eagles are still working hard to reach their goals for this season. Right? You know that they put down to be in the Super Bowl and to win the Super Bowl. That's their goal. Oh, that we would have the same energy and vitality to meet our goals to read the Bible and to have the goals that God has for us. If we have that same, same passion to make it happen, just like they're going to, whatever your goals are this year, your resolutions, your directions, your plans. Keep looking at them. Set some new ones even right now. And have that same passion to make it happen, just like we're going to see on the field today. Proverbs is a great book. I'll introduce it to you. Its function in Scripture to help us to put godliness into working clothes. And I hope that you've been able to do that as we've gone through the book of Proverbs. You take what we talk about, the various topics, and you'll put them into your life, just as Terry encouraged us from James 1.22. But be doers of the word, not merely hearers. Be doers of the word, not merely hearers, okay, who delude themselves. Now we, we have this opportunity to put it into practice. And the joy it is to be able to do that. To be a, as I was reading this last week, not just to be a Bible-believing church, but a Bible-obedient church. And that's what really matters. To 
Bible-obedient church. And that's what we're hoping to do as we go through Proverbs. A wise guy, as I define it, a wise gal, as we've been having a little bit of fun with that term, is somebody who's skilled, who's an expert at godly living. They're moving toward that. They're not there yet, of course, but they're really working at it. You, you see it in their lives. You can see it in each other's lives. Charles Stanley, as I quoted him last week, the Lord wants us to see life from his perspective and his viewpoint and evaluate everything according to biblical principles. As he looks at the book of Proverbs, that's what he said. We want to look at things from God's perspective, from God's viewpoint, and then we want to put them into practice. There's a, a new one that I came up with through um, gotquestions.org. Solomon, in his book, reveals the mind of God in matters high and lofty and in common, ordinary, everyday situations. The, the things that are way above us, he reveals himself, but also just in the common things so that we have these workday clothes and that we're honoring him and we're doing it. Why? Why do we do this? Why do we get into the Word of God? So, as Eugene Peterson said, so that we would have a long obedience in the same direction. Seeking after him, seeking and growing, obedience in the same direction. So we're going to move into the second section now, Proverbs chapters 10 through 31. And in this passage, as we've mentioned, as we've studied and looked at it, 10 through 31 is more of those short, pithy statements of wisdom that we're looking for. The first nine chapters have a little bit more of details, a little bit more stories to them, wherein this now, as we move into these next 21, 22 chapters, there's this sense of these short, pithy statements that kind of poke at us and that hit us and that challenge us, uh, oftentimes with the contrasts that are there or the comparison. If you do this, then this will happen. We see so many of those in this chapter. So, as I was thinking about the title for this sermon, you, you, could, you could have a, a, a million, well, you can't have a million. You could have a lot of one. Here's some of them I came up with. Taming the tongue, the trouble with the tongue, the trouble that the tongue can get us into, helpful, hurtful words, how to hold your tongue, how to be an idiot, <laughs> how to be a wise guy or gal, and the power of the tongue. There's some things I snake me. How do you title this thing? We talk about the tongue, the importance of the tongue. There's lots of things you could talk about in this chapter that, that aren't related to the tongue. I've just picked this one to be able to talk to us today because I need it just as much as you need it. Now, um, if you happen to be a verbal, emotional person like me, Taming the tongue is pretty hard. Is it, oh, somebody said amen about me. Is that what they say? <laughs> well, it is true. I, I, I do know that about myself. But if you're more of a quiet person, um, maybe, you know, not as emotional, maybe you don't have a problem taming the tongue. And if you don't, you can leave right now. If you've got it all figured out, Go ahead. You, you don't need the next 35 or 40 minutes. I'm just telling you, right? I, I think by your response, I think we all understand. This is something that's difficult, that we all struggle with, and that we all want to do better at. We want to be skilled. We want to be an expert at taming our tongue, to be a wise guy or a wise gal. So listen closely. As you look at Proverbs chapter 10, you'll notice there's 31 verses. And in 12 of those verses, it mentions the tongue. And in those 12 verses, there are 17 references to the tongue using synonyms, other words, like mouth, babbling, babbling, mouth, mouth, lips, mouth, lips, utter, 
words, words, lips, tongue, lips, mouth, tongue, lips, mouth. Did you get all those down? Did you write all those down? All those different words, many of them the same, but they're communicating the tongue and words that we use that can be helpful or can be hurtful, that can be ugly, can be beautiful, that can make us look like an idiot, or that can make us look like a wise guy or a wise gal. So here, you ready? It's probably already there. Bible's getting a little bit closer to coming right there. Proverbs chapter 10. God's word to us today. A wise son makes a glad father. But a foolish son is a sorrow to his father. Treasures gained by wickedness do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but he thwarts the craving of the wicked. A slack hand causes poverty. Diligent brings rich. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. You seeing the contrast here, comparison? Blessings are on the head of the righteous, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. The memory of the righteous is a blessing, but the name of the wicked will rot. The wise at heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. Whoever winks the eye causes trouble, and a babbling fool will come to ruin. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. On the lips of him who has understanding, wisdom is found, but a rod is to the back of him who lacks sense. The wise lay up knowledge. But the mouth of the fool brings ruin to him. A rich man's wealth is a strong city. The poverty of the poor is their ruin. The wage of the righteous leads to life. The gain of the wicked is death. Whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life. But he who rejects reproof leads others astray. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips. And whoever utters slander is a fool. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. Whoever restrains his lips the tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked has little worth. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of sense. The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Doing wrong is like a joke to a fool, but wisdom is pleasure to a man of understanding. What the wicked dreads will come upon him, but the desire of the righteous will be granted. When the tempest passes, the wicked is no more, but... The righteous established is established forever. Like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is a sluggard to those who send him. The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be short. The hope of the righteous brings joy, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. The way of the Lord is a stronghold to the blameless, but destruction to evildoers. The righteous will, will never be removed, but the wicked will not dwell in the land. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut off. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked what is perverse. You'll notice earlier I made a mistake in my notes. I said there's 31 verses and this is 32. I studied it all week long. I can't even get the right number down there. <laughs> so 32 verses here. 12 of them talk about the mouth. 17 references to the mouth. So first of all, this is how I put it together. 
put it together a number of different ways, but the, the tongue is a concealer. The tongue is a concealer. Verse 6. Blessings are on the head of the righteous, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Verse 11 says almost the same thing. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. B, the B part, A part, B part of the verse, is exactly the same in verses 6 and 11. You see, the mouth of the wicked conceals what is harmful to others and for himself. A person prepares for violence, as you know, because they think about it. It grows out of their, their heart, and then they carry it out, oftentimes without telling anyone. Think of all the tragic shootings in the United States. We're the leading country in the world for these shootings that take place. Elisha, Pastor Elisha's been near that and where he grew up in Kentucky. The shooting that took place in the school system. I was near it when I was at my last church, a couple miles from Columbine, April of 1999. I was in the Ukraine at that time teaching, but still, it's right there. I understand that. And I know this. Dylan and Klebold, guys involved in that. They hid it from everybody, from their parents. Grew in their heart. And the mouth conceals violence. They don't want anybody to know about it. How hard that is in the parents of the men in our church worked with one of the fathers of those boys. And how difficult that was for them to have to go through that as parents, knowing that their mouth, that the children were concealing violence, planning violence, how difficult that must be. But Solomon tells us the mouth does that. It doesn't share those things because it doesn't want it to get out. Not all the time, of course. Remember, there's principles versus promises in this book, okay, in Proverbs. These principles are there. Sometimes it is revealed, of course, but oftentimes it's not. It conceals violence. It doesn't want anybody to know. That's what's growing in their heart. Verse 18, it says that the one who conceals hatred has lying lips. Conceals hatred. The tongue can conceal hatred. Like violence, again, it starts in the heart. What's in the heart comes out. And this aspect of hatred, we know it as this, you, you know it probably in your life, you've probably experienced this, that Although things might seem to be right with somebody, inside it's brewing in somebody's heart. And all of a sudden it comes out in some way. It might come out in gossip. It might come out in a conversation that, oh, did you know so-and-so said this about you? And it comes out that, that they have this hatred toward it, this dislike. You're an unlovable to them. Sometimes it comes out in violence, of course. But the mouth can conceal what's in our heart. And then it comes out in a way that gets expressed, in a way that is so difficult and so hard and so penetrating to the person when they find out, oh, I thought things were good with that friend, and it's like they turned on me. No, no they, they've been turning on you, or you have been turning on them throughout this course of course of life because they have been growing hatred and they've concealed it and 
then somehow it might come out. Hatred comes out also this way. People just ignore you. They shun you. You think, oh, and we had this really good relationship. How come they don't talk to me anymore? Because they're concealing with their mouth what's in their heart. Oh, and
know what they do? They talk themselves into ruin. They ruin their reputation, their friendships, their job possibilities, their promotions, their grades. Because they blah, 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 blah. And a babbling fool, again a principle, will come to ruin. Verse 19 says this. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. <laughs> Don't we all know that one? When words are many, when they're too many, when we just keep going on and on and on, transgression is not lacking. Trouble can come our way because of that. Ever said more than you needed to or more than is necessary? Shake your head, yeah. Well, only if you're a verbal, emotional person like me. All you other people, you've never done that before, right? Yeah, we, we've probably all done that. We, we're a babbling fool because when words are many, transgression can come our way because we've said more than we need to say. We, if you ever said this, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Or I take that back. I take that back. Scratch that from the record. I don't want you to know that I said that. Don't let anybody else know that I've said that. Right? Too many words get us into transgression or trouble. You've probably seen this story before. Just thought in this illustration. Words are like toothpaste. Once they come out, you can't get it back in. try, but you can't get it back in. But here I am for you. Why? Because we start words. Because they reveal something about us. They can reveal that we're a babbling fool. Not my words, just Solomon's words, God's words to us today. So what do we need to do when we're talk happy? What do we need to do when we're talk happy? It says in verse 19, whoever restrains his lips is what? Whoever restrains his lips is wise. So we find ourselves in that position, which I do very often. We need to practice discipline and self-control. Ask the Lord to help me to, to listen more and talk less. To listen first, to talk second. To shut ye mouth, Scott. Zip it. Put a sock in it. Okay? <laughs> Ask somebody to give you feedback regarding your conversation. It's a good deal. A wise man once said, nothing. wise man once said nothing. Oh, that we would be like that when this time is coming. Or it's not necessary to say anything. And then when we do say something, we reveal ourselves as a babbling fool. If we practice self-control, we will be considered wise. And people will have a greater respect for us. They will enjoy us more. 
they will roll their eyes less. They won't walk away saying, he or she talks too much. He didn't even listen to what I was saying. But if we don't restrain our lips, Solomon said, we'll be considered a babbling fool. The tongue also reveals who is a slandering fool. In verse 18, the one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever utters slander is a is a fool. Slander, saying something false, malicious, or damaging. I think its partner is gossip. I just got to vent. I've just got to say this to you. I've got to express my opinion, my thoughts, my frustration. So we let it out, and then we let the person have it. Usually, they're not in their in the presence of all this anyway, right? We let it out to somebody else, and we slander them. We say something malicious about them false, damaging. And then, then we say, oh, oh, mom, oh well, I, didn't, I didn't mean to really say that. I didn't mean it that way. Solomon says, don't be a slandering fool. Have a proper respect for yourself and for others. Like this little thing in us, like Luke chapter 6, golden rule. Treat others as you would like to be treated. None of us like somebody to slander us. So therefore, we shouldn't do that to others. Talk about others as you would have them talk about you. So you're not a slandering fool. Third, in this passage, the tongue reveals who is a fool, just a fool, unwise and godly. Verse 14, the wise lay up knowledge, but the mouth of a fool brings ruin near. Ever seen that ruin near thing? That's the third time in this 32 verses. Got it right this time. In these 32 verses that he talks about, ruin comes because of how we talk. Solomon tells us that a babbling individual is a fool and will bring ruin to his life. So it goes without saying that you don't want to be near a fool when he brings ruin near. You don't want to be hanging around and when ruin comes their way because they're a slandering fool or they're a babbling fool. Fourth, the tongue reveals who is wicked. Verse 32, the lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked, what is perverse. Now, I'm going to take a while here. You've probably noticed that in our society, that speech is going like bad speech is increasing in alarming, alarming rates. Do you agree with me? People using the S word, people using the GD word, people using the F word. Big young families here and my kids just trying to do this as graciously as possible, but it's so true. And it's just it's just all over. Wednesday this week, I read an article about a wrestler, high school wrestler. Guy's interviewing sports editors and newspapers. And he gives some statements, and then he uses a word that can't be published in the newspaper. The editor has to put, the sports writer has to put another word in there in parentheses. This is what he means. So the high schooler getting interviewed for a newspaper, and he can't even use acceptable speech. Heartbreak. 
named LeBron James. He plays basketball. He just broke the record for the most points scored. Went over Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's record. There's a picture of it. He's asking you, his son, Robert, about his record. Here's what the five papers say. Adam Silver, the commissioner, stood on the court, officially recognized the record, then came to hug with his mother, Gloria, who was 16 when she gave birth to him in Akron, Ohio. A single mother, she helped guide LeBron after the path of stardom. In the crowd, one fan had a sign that read, A kid from Akron is a scoring king. There was a hug with Magic Johnson, who helped convince James to sign with the Lakers and set up the money. The kid from Akron was a star among stars Tuesday on a night when a sellout crowd of 18,997 included Jay-Z, Denzel Washington, Shannon Sharp, John McEnroe, LL Cool J, Floyd Mayweather, Bad Bunny, Phil Knight, and Dwayne Wade. Really, you guys all know that guys like that. People like that, of course. A recorded message of congratulations came from President Joe Biden, played on the scoreboard. Eventually, James ended up with the microphone, addressed the crowd, but not before the fans bathed him in chant of MVP, most valuable player. I just want to say thank you to the Laker faithful. He said, you're one of a kind. James continued, to be able to be in the presence of such a great as Kareem means so much to me, he said. It's very humbling. Please give a standing ovation to the captain, Kareem. More loud cheers, and James finished by thanking his family, his friends, the NBA, and everyone that has been on this, on this run with him for the past 20 years. I thank you so much because I wouldn't be me without you all. Then at the end of the tribute, as if he'd run out of line, words, there was an F-bomb. The word, man, he said with a grin, thank you. we look at to say those words in front of our mom. 19,000 people, his kid. And he can't think of anything else to say except that word. Later, Abdul-Jar praised James for that indefinable essence that they call leadership. Not with his mouth. This is all that. He can't come up with anything else to say. Friday, chieftain. I still read it this way. Big article. Why is R&B music more explicit than ever? It's complicated. And the picture. The F word. Here, let me let me let me tell you how mixed up. This is this is. Lucky day. Don't know lucky day. Whoever that is, you might know. Grammy winner. Listen. They say, listen, I'm quoting. They say the truth shall set you free. Ever heard that statement? Like it's in the Bible, John chapter 8. They say the truth will set you free. So I guess the more honest you are, the more free you're going to be. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is, this is, this. And that's why, where we are at. We say whatever we want to say. It's just direct, literally direct. And if you don't like it, you just don't like it. And that's how we feel. I'm going to tell you this. Scott Bailey, yes, I don't like it. It's perverse. It dishonors people. 
how God can bring these things to you if you've got a right servant. Twelfth hole. Phoenix Open. Going on right now. Justin Thomas hits a great shot. Wind behind him. Hits the green. Fifth wave. He claims control and goes into the water. He lets out. Twitter responder put it, it was, quote, a beautiful F bomb. Now it's easy to notice the perverse speech in others, but we need to look in the mirror at ourselves first. A man named Richard Sears saw this quote this week. A sincere Christian hates sin in himself and helps him. I've given all those illustrations that I really don't like to give, but they're just the way it is. But I need to think about myself first. And I was really honest with you last week. I told you. It's this pastor guy. And sometimes, unfortunately, when he's on the golf course, he can let the damn burst out of his mouth. Excuse the language. I'm putting it in a phrase, kind of, you know, a little fun. I need to examine myself. I can't do anything about LeBron. Justin. I pray for him, which I do. I see those. I pray for them. They come under the influence of Jesus Christ. But I need to, I need to examine my life. So what does it tell you about your pastor? Well, first of all, he's human. Secondly, he's a sinner. And thirdly, you might not want to play golf with him. <laughs> but I recognize I haven't tamed the tongue. And I need to. I need to. You see, there's no excuse for me and for anybody else to not follow what Scripture says. When it says in Ephesians 5, 4, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. And I'm adding my word for the one who claims to be a beloved child of God. There's no excuse for it. Yeah, we're sinners. But God's called us to tame the tongue. And I need to do it better too. Also reveals who is wise. On the lips, on 13, on the lips of him who has understanding, wisdom is found. In verse 19, when words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent or wise. Verse 31, the mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut off. You see, the, the wise guy speaks wise words, words that please God that honor God, and that will help others. We were talking about this passage in our Thursday morning men's group over at Maze Cafe, if you want to join us. Information is in the bulletin. And we just kind of, we were having a lot of fun, and, and we came up with these quips, these little cliches about our tongue um, that we, we were thinking about. Uh, one was this. Silence is golden, but duct tape is silver. 
also have that statement that we all, we all know, uh, open mouth, insert foot. You know that one? Well, somebody said this, the only time I open my mouth is to change feet. <laughs> the last one I put down, I don't struggle with controlling my mouth, and that's the problem. I should. <laughs> don't we all know it at times? Different levels, different ways. May not be taken using those words that I've just described. Maybe other things. Complaining, grumbling, being critical. And we all know those things at various different levels. My last big point is this. The tongue is a concealer. The tongue is a revealer. The tongue can be a blessing. Had a little bit of fun with that. The tongue can be a blessing. Verse 20, the tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is of little worth. A righteous tongue is considered something valuable. A good tongue, a healthy tongue is considered, should be considered something that's helpful and, or is valuable. Helpful is my next thought. Valuable. We should have that. Choice silver was valuable. Therefore, a good tongue, a righteous tongue, should be something that we see as valuable. That somebody see it and notice that, that it's good. And because it's used correctly to benefit others and to honor God. Verse 11, a babbling fool will come to ruin, but the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. 1821, the power of the tongue. Many of you know this one. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruits, the good fruits, the good things God has for us. If we use it for death, you're going to eat the fruit of that. But the fact is, we want it to be the power of life in our tongue. Secondly, thought about being a blesser. The lips of the righteous feed many, it says in 21, verse 21. But fools die for the lack of sense. I think you can think of this. When he's talking about feeding many, he could be talking about, yes, we can use our mouth to other people like Crazy Faith Ministry does and the Rescue Mission, um, those sorts of things. But I think he's saying this, when we use our mouth correctly, a righteous one, it feeds many, it helps them, it blesses them, it encourages them, it feeds them with what they need in their lives. Encouraging, gentle, appropriate confrontation when we need to challenge appropriate, accountable, comforting, sympathetic, joyful. When we feed others with our mouth, we use it for good things. It blesses others. And in blessing others, we bless the Lord. Amen? That's how we should feed people, is through the words that we give, that we help them grow. We help them know Jesus even better. Verse 31, the mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom. isn't going to be blessed by wisdom. We'll all be blessed by the wise guy, the wise gal, the one of wisdom. Verse 32. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable. You get this. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable in God's sight. They know what he wants, not man's opinion. Because man's opinion says... Who cares what LeBron says? Who cares what Justin Thomas says? Who cares what Pastor Scott says that's crude or foolish? Or, no, God cares. God cares about what comes out of our mouth because it reveals what's in our heart. You see, the use of our tongue tells us who or what we think is important. 
when we keep on talking or talking about ourselves, we reveal that we think we're the most important person. When we tell stories after someone has told us a story, we tell someone that their story has little value and that our story is more important. Now, I kind of noticed that it uh, didn't look like anybody left for this sermon. But I want to thank you for hanging in there with me. Because I guess that you probably stayed because you haven't got this taming your tongue down perfectly either. Do you? No. We're all in the same boat. We're all working on it. Different levels, different ways, different words, different thoughts. But we all know because it says in James 3, listen, if you, if you can tame your tongue, then you're perfect. And I ain't seeing one perfect person here today. And I can look in the mirror and see one who's really imperfect here myself. You see, a, a person working to have a tame tongue desires to speak at the appropriate moment with the appropriate words, listens when others are speaking, asks questions of others, keeps conversation centered on the other person, speaks boldly but graciously when in confrontation, admits errors, asks forgiveness, seeks to be less defensive, knows when to stop talking, uses helpful words, knows how to graciously stop a conversation, tells the truth with grace, and as we talked about in our men's study, measures the tone of their voice. It's often not necessarily the words, but how we communicate them that says to somebody, I'm an idiot. communicate that by how I speak those words. Maybe, maybe they're not inappropriate words, but I, I communicate them in a way that says something to them or pokes a finger at them and says something about them. We all need help. So here's what I'm asking you to do. Work up your tongue. What's the one thing you need to work on that God's already told you about to work on? I guarantee He's already spoken said, this is the thing that you need to work on. I'm going to ask you to write it down. You've got to take your pen and paper. Write it down. Be honest before God, because He knows anyway. And probably the people around you know too. <laughs> write it down, and then ask for His help. God, this is an issue for me. Thing. Woo, the little guy, right? <laughs> so it's so good to do the right thing. 